Welcome back to Around the World. We are back with episode five. And today we have one of the most uh, special guests you could have on any soccer podcast. We are joined by Kevin Miller, Coach Kevin Miller. Um, Kevin was the uh, head of strength and conditioning at Philadelphia Union for six years. He also was uh, had his own uh, strength and conditioning business or personal training business called Kevin Miller Training, where he offered the best uh, fitness training that you could get. And now he is at Villanova. Uh, he initially started as the uh, strength and conditioning coach for men's soccer and is now the head of strength and conditioning uh, for all of Villanova athletics. So thanks so much for joining us, Kev. Uh, we're so happy to have you. How are you doing? Guys, I'm, I'm doing great. And, and like I said, it's, a, it's an honor to be on with, with both of you guys. I mean, it's a, you guys are doing a fantastic job with the podcast. And I said to, to have the honor to be on a podcast with Victor and, and Zach, you know, that's, that's in of itself amazing. And then uh, uh, Bjarne and, and Chris, so I, I appreciate it. So keep up the good work. But, you know, I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, we are too, Kev. Yeah, thanks, for, thanks again just for my end for, for hopping on. Um, before we delve into it, um, just as we usually do, um, just start a little casual. So, um, how was your Fourth of July weekend, Kev? What'd you get? Up, what'd you get up to? It was good. It was great. It was uh, my son. So I, I have two boys and a little girl. My one son is uh, Rowan. So he had a he had a race down the in, in Philly down the Schuylkill River. So he had that Friday and Saturday, which those uh, you know I, I'm new to crew, and those things are all day events. But uh, it's great. My son's having a great time. And then Sunday went down to the shore with the family and uh, did a lot of fishing. Caught a Got a 25-inch striped bass, caught a bunch of little sand sharks. Wow. It was cool. And most importantly, just spending time with the family. So it was, uh, it, was, it, was, it was a great weekend. Yeah. Well, for those that don't know, Kevin Miller can fish with the best of them. So <laughs> he's, not, he's not messing around. He's not messing yeah, around. If, if I'm not training, I'm fishing. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's hilarious. Well, Kev, um, I'm sure. Uh, I'm also sure. I want to say that your son is going to be a beast too. So, the, <laughs> the rowing world has to watch out because young Miller, young Miller's coming. Young Miller, <laughs> they got sure. they, they got a good work at. They got. They, they, I always said they're not. They're not blessed with size, but they'll they'll work. They'll train hard. So, <laughs> yeah. with with you with you mentoring him, I've always said I've always known to keep a uh, little Kevin back in my mind as a potential star athlete one day. <laughs> There you go. There you go. <laughs> That's funny. It's fun. All right. Well, uh, well, Kev, let's jump into it. Um, so you you have a really extensive background uh, in, in the world of of sports um, and and sports training and fitness training. But uh, just to start off, um, we, we mentioned in the intro that you were the head of strength and conditioning over at Philly Union in the MLS. Um, so just to get things kicked off, can you talk to us a little bit about that experience and how it was being in the MLS and working with professional soccer players? Yeah, the Philadelphia Union was, was an, an amazing experience. And, and it's one of those things I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And, uh, you know, when I, when I worked, I worked with them the first season and um, just a fantastic experience. And at the time, I was also working at another gym. So I was working full time at a, a gym in Springfield, Delaware County. And, uh, you know, I got a heads up that the, the, a new team was going to be forming, um, you know, the, the following season. So I got invited to a dinner and, and met the head coach, Peter Nowak, with uh, the medical directors and staff. And um, long story short, that first season, the team was, um, it was, it was very, it was obviously brand new. And they all had a membership, a gym membership to the gym I was working at. So 
when they came there, they honestly, they had, they had athletic trainers, but they didn't have any strength and conditioning coaches. I mean, it was pretty entry level. And, uh, you know, they asked me, they were going to be training there for the first, you know, for the first couple of weeks. They asked me if I would do some workouts with them for the first couple of weeks. And I did, and it was a great experience. And they, they literally hired me for two weeks. So again, I'm not even, I'm not even working for them. This is just a part-time gig. And then they had left and went to a preseason camp for about five weeks. And when they came back, the assistant coach, John Hackworth, um, had asked me if I would be interested in working with them part-time for the first season. So I kept my full-time job and then worked with them part-time and would go down to them with them for all the home games and a couple of days a week and do some speed training and strength training. It was, a, it, was a, it was an amazing opportunity. And then after the first season, they came to me and said, hey, we want to create this into a full-time position. Are you interested? And, and of course I was. And it's one of those things over that six-year period, uh, I have nothing but good things to say about the Philadelphia Union. I mean, Peter Nowak, John Hackworth, Jim Curtin, all, all three of the coaches were, were fantastic to me. And, and in any kind of team setting, the, the team is what makes it and the culture makes it. And those guys accepted me. They, they took me in and it was just an amazing opportunity. And to have the opportunity to, to travel to so many places I would have never gone. I got to go to Greece. I got went to Costa Rica, uh, you know, in the MLS, obviously going to, to Canada and spending time in California. So all in all, it was, it was an amazing, amazing opportunity. It's a sacrifice because, you know, you work with pro athletes. You're, at the time, my kids, my kids were young. So there was, there was a lot on my wife to, to, to take a lot of that role in the month of February. But in the nutshell, it was, it was an amazing experience, something I definitely wouldn't trade. Yeah, for sure, Kev. Um, that's awesome. And I think like the traveling part is a little bit, um, is, is pretty awesome because I mean, I think like, obviously with my whole life ahead, that's definitely something that I envisioned myself doing when I'm young. And I think that's literally awesome to like, just see the, not only just the States, but the entire like world in a sense is really, really cool. <clears throat> so Kev, I'm interested in um, one part of it that I, that I was kind of thinking of as you're speaking um, about just you working with soccer players and kind of how, I guess you said um, this, the opportunity with the Philadelphia Union fell on your lap in a sense. Um, but obviously when you came to Villanova after the union, you stayed with soccer, you, you, you came uh, and worked with men's soccer right away. So what, what kind of drove you um, or just, I guess, geared you towards um, that kind of athlete, the, the soccer player? Yeah. And it's interesting. On the one hand, I'm almost embarrassed to even say this is, you know, a lot of people think I played soccer and, and I never even played soccer, you know, growing up <laughs> and a lot of people like they say, Hey, how did you get a job with the Philadelphia union if you didn't play soccer? And, um, you know, for me, again, I was in the right place, right time, but training an athlete is training an athlete. And for me, I quickly learned the game and right away, just instant respect for, for the athletes, just how hard they work, the, the technical, the, the tactical, just everything that goes into soccer was, was fantastic for me. And, and I don't think people realize how physical the game is. I, you know, until you're, I remember the first Philadelphia Union game, you know, sitting on the sidelines and just seeing how physical it was with elbows and tackles and you know, it's one of those things that you need to prepare your body for it. So I've always stuck with the, the soccer athlete just because the work ethic has always been fantastic. You know, it's one of these things, you know, when, when you make it to the Philadelphia level, you, I mean, Philadelphia Union, you've obviously made it into professionals and working at Villanova, all of you guys have aspirations to, to make it in the MLS or, or play in Europe or play wherever. So for me, working with the, 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 the soccer athlete has always intrigued me because I think from a training standpoint, you have to have that, that combination of an aerobic capacity. You have to be fast. You have to be able to change direction. You need to be mentally and physically tough. And all of these things go into it. And, and I think people don't realize, A, how much you run, the demands placed on it, and, and what really goes into to training and working with a, with a soccer player. So for me, I always said, hey, I, I, I can't teach you how to kick the soccer ball. 
don't, don't ask me to do that. But what I'll do is I'll do everything in my power to, to make sure that you're ready on game day and coach Carlin and coach Fetro can, can take care of that. So, but the, the soccer athlete has always driven me because uh, I think, I think their work ethic and just, if, if you look at the respect around the world of the game, it, again, I was, I was actually, I think in a really good situation with the Philadelphia Union because I came in and, and I believe I knew how to train people and I, I felt comfortable doing that, but I was just like an open canvas to, to learn things. And, and what I had to do, one thing I had to do is, is I had to gain the respect of the players because again, you would think, okay, somebody's coming in, they know the game and I'll be the first to admit I didn't, I knew how to train, but over the years, I feel like I've, I've done a good job in understanding and learning the game and just have a tremendous amount of respect for soccer players, both men and women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, that's so, it's so cool that you get to work with all these different kinds of athletes. You got to work with professional athletes and now you get to work with college athletes who one day aspire to be professionals, as you said. And one thing that I picked up on Kev while you were talking was, was the nuances that it, that it takes to be a, a soccer athlete. Um, and we've talked with some of our previous guests about how as you go up from level to level, there's more and more nuances. There's more and more detail and uh, the little things become big. Um, so that's one thing I want, I want to ask you about is in your transition from working with professional athletes, they're getting paid. You know, you, you travel around the world, traveling around the country. Uh, and then you transition to work with, with college athletes of Villanova who are still high-level athletes but just not quite – at that level of professionals, what are some differences, some similarities, just some things that you've noticed in the transition from the professional rank to the college ranks? Yeah, I think the similarities is, is the love for the game. I mean, you know, obviously when I'm at the union, those guys love the game. When I, when I come out and watch you guys, I, I, I can tell right away that you guys are, it's, it's the best part of your day. Like you guys are excited to be on the field and that, that one to two to three hours is going to be the best part of the day. And you look at a professional athlete and they have the, the stress of they could be cut at any moment. They need to, to pay their mortgage, the financial stress. You know, but also I look at it, a lot of those guys at the time, a lot of those guys were young guys. And I'd say a quarter of them were married. Three quarters of the guys weren't married. So their only vision for the day really was, hey, playing soccer, what video games am I going to play after soccer, after practice? And then where am I going to go eat? Okay. And for you guys, it's like you probably say, okay, you're going to play soccer. What video games might I play? But then you're also going to say, the academic standards at, at Villanova. You guys have the stress of, of you know, financial stress and family stress and relationship stress and soccer stress and all of these things. And you guys have the vision or the hope to make it to MLS. So I think you know, in the MLS, they've made it. They still got to prove themselves every single day. But for you, I think the soccer player has, I think they have it much harder in terms of the stress that's placed on them in small time uh, demands and, and the limited time that you have to produce a high product. So similar in the fact that you love soccer, I think the stress placed on the athlete is a little bit different. And, uh, and, and I think understanding, you know, how to organize your day, you know, it's one of those things, Hey, if you can be really organized in your day and you can do what you need to do, Hey, you can come to practice and you can be ready. But if you're not keeping up with your schoolwork and keeping up with other things, Hey, it might catch you, you know, on the back end. So I guess they were some of the differences, but the love of the game is, it was the same to be, to be completely honest with you. Mm-hmm. When I go out and watch you guys practice and I remember watching those guys, it, it was the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the level of play obviously may have been higher, but that, 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 that demand was there. Right. No, that's super interesting. And I think, um, and let, like when you're in it, when you're involved in it, as, as me and Dylan are, and you're, you're an athlete, you don't really think about, um, all the time, how much stress is really on our plates. Like, 
like completely just across everything, as you mentioned. Um, and maybe we'll, we'll get back to that um, later in the podcast, just delving into that, that stress piece and how it's managed um, and how you would advise. Um, but for now, I'm, I'm, I want to shift a little bit, not really shift, but um, stay along this, this little storyline we have. So obviously you've been at um, Villanova for four years now, I think around there. Um, and um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of interested in me and Dylan, we're talking about this. We're, we're just interested on about like, obviously you progressed very fast at Villanova. You're, you're now head uh, of strength and conditioning. And um, maybe this played into that played into uh, this role, but um, we're just wondering why, um, why you've stayed at Villanova for so long and maybe not pursued um, other positions or um, going to another city or, or anything like that. Yeah, I think that's a great question. And for me, and I honestly mean, it's like, I love Villanova, you know, for me, it's, it's, I'm still at Villanova because of the family atmosphere for the, the culture that, that Tom Carlin and Mark Fetro and Alex have created there. And, and, and the, the bigger culture of what father Peter has developed there. I mean, for, for me drags, it's one of these things. I, I truly have no desire to go anywhere else right now. Like I've had, I've had some opportunities here or there to possibly go back to the MLS and do some things. But on the one hand, everything, there's, there's a cost to everything. So if I were to go back in the MLS right now, that would be more time probably away from my family. And at this stage of my life, you know, I have a son who's a junior, a son who's a sophomore, and a daughter who's going to the eighth grade. I want to be at as many games I can to, to, to see them grow up. So I love the challenge right now at Villanova because I'm very fortunate in the role that I'm at to, to work with men's soccer, but also work with women's basketball, work with cross country, work with all these athletes. And, and really to sum it up, Drags, is I believe I'm making a difference. You know, it's, it's one of these things, you know, Hey, I'm, again, I'm not going to, you know, teach you how to kick the soccer ball or, or not coach is never going to ask me, Hey, what, what do you think tactically we should do here? But at the end of the day, I feel like I go home, I go to sleep and I feel like I've made a difference in, in, in one person's life. So that might be, that might be you Jags. That might be Dylan. That might be a runner on the cross country team. And that's in all honesty, why I keep coming back because I, I think in the college setting, you can, you can coach and you can influence the athletes' lives that hopefully, you know, one, two, five, ten years down the road, they look back and say, hey, you know, this, you know Kevin impacted me in this way. So it, to be honest, I, it, it's a family atmosphere and, and I truly love coming to work every day. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, from our end, Kev, and, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're every athlete that gets to work with you is, is very fortunate. Um, Obviously, if, if you're uh, garnering interest from the MLS, it means you're really good at what you're doing. And, uh, you know, from personal firsthand experience, I'm sure me and Drax can attest to the fact that, uh, you know, you're the best in the business. So we're really happy to be working with you uh, every day when, when we're on campus. But um, as far as the way that you uh, see things and, and you view yourself as a strength coach, um, you definitely um, believe uh, – in, in some of these things besides just the strength training, you believe in uh, ways about living your life. Like you said, making a difference on athletes um, and just how you carry yourself every day and all that kind of thing. Um, so coming from you, what would you say separates uh, you from other strength and conditioning coaches or other fitness trainers? Yeah, I think, you know, I think when I look back uh, when I was with the union, I mean, I even think back when in 2004, when I first, you know, I started training athletes. I thought, I thought I knew a lot back then. And, and in reality, 2004, I didn't know anything. And, and, and I think what, what separates me now is 
you know, any strength and conditioning coach, when people think about strength and conditioning, they think about, okay, they're going to, somebody's going to teach you how to lift weights and then they're obviously going to get you fast, which is extremely important. And our profession has really grown and there's, there's so many good coaches doing that. And I take a lot of pride in doing that. But I think one of the things that separates me is to, to maybe take a step back and, and learn from my mistakes that I've made and, and failures that I've made and, and really look at the athlete as a whole. I think sometimes I used to get maybe um, too, for not, not obsessed, but just too focused on one thing from, okay, what exercise should we do? What exercise should we do? And the exercise choice is, of course, important, but I think what's bigger is, is how are you managing stress? How well are you sleeping? What is your nutrition like? Just having a conversation in this day and this day and age where so many people, all they do is, is text and that's how they communicate. I want to be the coach that actually has a conversation with you and shakes your hand and just says, Hey Dylan, how you feeling today? And, and I get a lot of feedback from that. So I think the one thing that I pride myself on trying to separate people is I'm always trying to learn. Like it's one of these things, like I still have so much more to learn. And, and I think, I think that's exciting with this field. And then I think the ability to connect with athletes is critical. You know, I, I look at it again. I said, I have three kids. When my son or daughter tells me a coach is able to connect with them, I look at that and say that that's a good coach. So that's really what I think separates me is that ability to connect, gain the trust. And then really, it's one of these things, I will never ask you to do anything that, that I won't do or that I think is detrimental to, to your success. Because at the end of the day, the only thing that really matters is your academics at Villanova. And are you, are you showing up on game day ready to play? And if we can win games, that's fantastic. And I want to put myself in a position to do that for you. Yeah, um, yeah that's awesome. And, and something I want to echo from, from what you said, I think it's just a, like a really good life lesson in general for, for everyone listening is just be a constant learner. I, I know Kev, I, I know a little bit about Kev, obviously, because I've been working with him for three years now. And I, I, I know Kev is a guy that is always seeking opportunities to learn and better himself, like whether it be through reading books or through podcasts and, and, you know, using social media in a positive light in order to shed light to other people about his knowledge. Um, and that's something that I think is super awesome and something that I believe your brand is and something that I feel like a lot of people can, can benefit from. Um, so that's just something I wanted to echo. Um, but obviously, yeah. So obviously this comprehensive way of, um, being a strength and conditioning coach is, is something that I definitely notice um, in working with you. But now we want to kind of dive into the more specifics um, about what you do and like things that we've experienced and wanted you to kind of talk on it. So um, first we're wondering um, about, so obviously you're a licensed chiropractor, right? Massage right? therapist, massage therapist. Massage therapist. Yes. yes massage yes. therapist. Right. No problem. Um, so yeah, sorry about that. So um, we're just wondering, like, um, the importance of um, stretching, um, getting this massage from you, or whether it be from anyone, um, and how that benefits, or how that become, or how that gets you more ready to compete at a high level on the field. Yeah, I think that's a great question, and, and I was very fortunate to get that license when I was with the Philadelphia Union. They, uh, I was doing some work, and they actually sent me to school to get that, and. Um, it's something that's been very beneficial, but I think one of the main benefits of, of massage or stretching is really when I work with somebody, I think your tissue quality is extremely important. And, you know, sometimes people will say, Hey, I feel very tight or I feel very loose. And, and I don't think there's a right or a wrong, but when, when I work with somebody from, from a massage standpoint, if I had you come in drags and you're like, Hey, my legs are feeling heavy. Number one, I'm looking at it. It's just the, the ability to recover. If I can get you to lay down the table and Hey, you just, we just have a conversation 
or, you know, Hey, you fall asleep or whatever. That, that's, that's to me is the ability to, to recover. So you get that 15 minute window right there. And then your tissue quality is extremely, extremely important. A lot of injuries that happen really the, your tissue is unable to handle the loads that are placed upon it, which just means, Hey, if your tissue, if your hamstring, if your quad is not able to handle the loads placed upon it, and I ask you to do too many runs, then you're more susceptible to an injury. So a lot of times when, when we work in massage, I honestly, I honestly, a lot of massage therapists will say they think they're fixing things. I don't like to use the word fix because I don't think I'm fixing anything. I think I'm helping you prepare your body for the demands in practice, the demands for games, and, and hopefully recovering or helping you recover. So the tissue quality is extremely important. And from a stretching standpoint, again, I just think the more range of motion that you have, that you're able to control, the better. So for example, if I have you lay down on the table drags and, and I were to stretch your leg really far, like that might feel good, but I don't necessarily know if that's the right thing. I need to work with you to, to take your body through some ranges of motion where you can control some of that movement, assess how your joint's feeling, and, and ultimately improve your range of motion. So I think it's a two-way street. It's like, hey, you got to do some of the work, but what I think is going to happen when we stretch and we do some massage work is you're going to improve some range of motion, your tissue quality is going to get better, and then really we look at it and we say, your parasympathetic and your sympathetic nervous system. So your fight or flight or your rest and digest. When I have you doing some massage or some light stretching, I'm thinking recovery. Right before a game, if we get out there and we're doing a dynamic warm-up, for me, it's that five, six, seven, eight-minute window to increase your core temperature, prepare your body for the demands that are going to be placed upon it, and hopefully reduce your injury. So I'm always looking at that as a way to say, improve tissue quality, improve range of motion, have you own some of them movements that hopefully sets you up for success on the field. But it's a great way to recover. And some people love stretching. Some people hate stretching. For me, I always tell the athlete, if you think it's benefiting you, which I think it does, then let's keep doing it. If for some reason something bothers you, then we'll back off. Mm -hmm. And hearing you talk about it in that light, Kev, it just, it just uh, shows how much you've really mastered this profession. And, and as you said, you're always trying to learn. And there's so much more that you bring to the table as a strength and conditioning coach than just workouts. Um, hearing you talk about um, the fight or flight and, and um, how our nervous system reacts and, and all, all of that stuff is, is just fascinating. Um, and even though we work with you every day, it's, it's still just great knowledge to hear um, just as an athlete. Um, but on that topic, Kev, one, uh, you're also a strength and conditioning coach that believes in a lot of alternative methods that, that can eventually lead to uh, success for an athlete, uh, one of those being breathing. Um, so could you, can you talk to us a little bit about how breathing plays a role into the success of an athlete? Yeah, it's, it's funny. Like when you, tell, when you tell an athlete, hey, focus on your breathing, when I first started doing this, athletes would maybe roll their eyes and say, coach, you know, I, I breathe every day. Like, why do I have to worry about that? And, you know, for me, it was an eye opener where I read a book a few years ago called The Oxygen Advantage by Dr. Peter McEwen. And, you know, for me, I, I've done marathons, I've done triathlons, I've done all these things. And I thought I was a pretty fit athlete. And I read this book and I talked about the benefits of, of nitric oxide, improving um, respiration, working on your diaphragm all these different benefits that could help you uh, when you breathe more efficiently. So I went out one day and I did a workout trying to breathe in through my nose, out through my nose. And I didn't even get, I didn't even get around the block. You know, it was one of these things where I was like, wow, I thought I was, I thought I was in shape and I, I, I really wasn't. So the reason I stress breathing, I always look at it and say, 
I'm always looking at ways to, to promote recovery, get more oxygen in, in your body. Um, from a nitric oxide standpoint, when you're able to breathe in nose, out nose, or in nose, out mouth, the nitric oxide is going to help dilate your blood vessels, which is going to improve the blood flow through your body. And then really, it's one of these things, you know, if, if we look at athletes and they're out there, it's 87th minute of a game and, and your legs are heavy and you're tired and, and coaches ask you to make one or two more runs, I look at it and say, if you're able to take that relaxed breath of in nose, out nose, or in nose, out mouth, maybe that one breath is going to allow you to give you the power to, to make that run. And, and really, when we talk about breathing, it, when we talk about core training, which obviously a lot of strength conditioning coaches talk about, I believe if you don't talk about breathing first, there's no way you can truly work on your core training. And the other benefit is this. Athletes all the time have tight hip flexors. Their necks are tight, all these things. And maybe there's several reasons why. There's never just one reason. But I always, when I get somebody on the table or on the field and I say, hey, let's take you through some breathing, in nose, out nose, or in nose, out mouth, it, it, it relaxes athletes. It allows them to understand how the airflow should go. And I think it, it sets them up for success. And really, and, and I, from my own experience, and it took Dylan a long time for me to, to get good at this. I'd say it took me about a year before I was really able to improve my breathing. Mm -hmm. I feel like if I focus on some breathing techniques, I can still go out and train at a pretty high level, not having put in a ton of time in the gym. Now, of course, you need to train, but that's something that I think can help you. And the last thing I'll say is, Sleep is probably one of the best ways you can recover. And, and if you're an athlete who snores, which mm -hmm. most athletes do, I know, I know I do at times, absolutely. If you can learn how to breathe in your nose and out your nose when you're sleeping, it's a game changer. It's a game changer because you will recover so much better. That takes time. So, you know, breathing, it doesn't cure everything, but you take 20,000 breaths a day. You have two choices. You can take 20,000 good breaths or 20,000 breath, bear breaths. And that's mm -hmm. like, say you did 20,000 curls. You could do 20,000 good curls or right. 20,000 bear curls, which I know, Dylan, you probably curl at least 10,000 times a day. <laughs> like, so think about what, what, what your technique would look like. So that's, that's my, my reason for breathing. I could talk for a long time about breathing, but at the end of the day, it just helps improve your, your posture and I believe your output as you're training on the field. Yeah. And Jeb, let me say one thing on that too. Um, I know at Villanova, you really stress breathing, obviously, as, as, as you could tell, he's very passionate and it's, it's, it's definitely beneficial. Um, and, and one, and when he was talking about breathing in through his nose and out through his nose and doing that run and not being able to make around the block, um, Kev was telling us like, uh, like since I bet, since I stepped on campus at Nova to start implementing in our fitness, breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. And I was like, what, like that just, it's so weird. Every time I try it, I can't do it. It's, it's just so unnatural. And then, you know, when I had some time to during COVID as everyone did and was getting my workouts in during COVID, I, I started doing it. I started really like I was running around a track and I couldn't make it halfway breathing in through my nose, out through my nose without taking a breath through my mouth. And then I just practiced every day breathing in through my nose. And I really, really, really do. I want to like echo it that I really did see fitness like gains from that. I, I promise you. And, you know, it's something like small that Kevin says, um, but I really think it should be, you know, harped on again. And Kevin, one thing I wanted you to talk on too on, while we're on breathing is I, the name is slipping my mind. Um, the one breathing technique um, that we always do in the gym or on the field after trainings and you Box say breathing. to do it before bed, I, what's it called? Box breathing. Box breathing. Yeah. I wanted yeah. you to, I wanted you to bring that up um, real quick um, and explain kind of what it is and what it does. Yeah. So when you're doing box breathing, it's, it's something I believe I heard first from Peter McEwen 
and again, there's lots of people doing this, but I know the Navy SEALs practice, practice this a lot, as well as a lot of yoga instructors. There's nothing new out there, but really what it is, is it could be any number, but we, we normally go four. So it's four second inhale, four second hold, four second exhale, four second hold. So when, if you were to inhale through your nose, what happens is when you inhale through your nose nice and slow, your diaphragm, which sits underneath your rib cage, descends. So when you inhale, your diaphragm, if this is your diaphragm here and this is your pelvic floor, when you inhale, your diaphragm goes down. Okay. Then you're going to hold your breath for four seconds. As you exhale, your diaphragm comes up. So visualize like a parachute. So inhale, it goes down, it stays there. Exhale, it comes up. I always think the benefit for that is it allows your body to tell you that, it tells your body that you're safe. And I always say, if you can't breathe in a position, your, your, your brain will, will not think you're safe. So for me, it's going to promote recovery. When you go inhale, diaphragm goes down. Okay, when you hold your breath, your, your, your heart rate may lower. It might slow down nice and slow. And then when you exhale, everything is nice and relaxed. So I'm always doing that as a way to promote recovery. And really, you want that diaphragm. Your diaphragm is a muscle, but nobody ever thinks about it. All they always think about is my hamstrings, my glutes, my abs, which is great. But if you're a soccer player and your diaphragm, this is your diaphragm here. If it's tense, okay, and, and it can, it's really tight, why do you think you get side stitches? Okay, why do you think maybe you can't finish a game in the 85th minute you're getting tired because your diaphragm maybe is contracted and isn't going down and up? So that's one of the benefits for me is it's, it's a muscle and I want to work that muscle. And that's one of the ways I know how to do it. It's a simple strategy. And it's something that your, your listeners should do at night tonight when they go to sleep. And I guarantee you, if they do it, they won't get to 10 reps and before they're falling asleep. It's just a good way to just bring the heart rate down and, and the mind down. But it's really, I do it, drags, to allow that, allow that diaphragm to descend and descend and descend and descend. And just, you know, it's a muscle. You got to work it. Yeah. Well, I can, I can speak to that. I think they will fall asleep. There's been a few times in the weight room <laughs> after a hard lift where uh, where Kev has turned the lights off in the gym and we've done some box breathing and I can't say I haven't fallen asleep a few times. So it's That's good. That's true. good. It's yeah. working. It's working. Yeah. Oh, it works, man. Oh, it definitely works. But you um, know what though? But the last thing I'll say on that, cause I, I know we want to go to the next subject, but it's very hard for athletes to do that. I'll tell you right now, because especially at, at a, a school like Villanova that is academically challenging and a division one athlete, your brains are always going. Right. So I would challenge any of you to just, just do that. Do that for 30 days and I, tell me how you feel at the end of 30 days. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And another thing it really helps with, I think, is like stressful situations. If yeah. you ever are having a little like anxiety or, or whatever, anything like that, uh, box breathing no doubt. Can, can definitely yeah. help you slow down your heart rate. Um, but Kev, you mentioned uh, a few times and we've talked a little bit about it, um, the recovery aspect uh, that the athlete faces, that soccer players face. Um, and when we're talking about the college soccer season or, uh, you know, the European soccer season where there's guys playing 20 games in three months, um, what would you say uh, about recovery? What would you recommend to athletes that are in these in these windows where they're just going super hard in a short amount of time? Um, how would you discuss the recovery process and what would you recommend? Yeah, I think, I think for you guys, I'll use you guys as, as an example is, I mean, you guys are playing soccer, obviously all summer long, like, you know, we, we all summer long, you guys all play for leagues. Uh, you guys come into camp in great shape. You're playing all fall. You have a little bit of break in the winter. You're coming back in the spring. And then it's just, it's a cycle. It's a cycle of constantly playing. So from a recovery standpoint, 
the, the basics work and they work really good. Like, yes, if you are able to spend money and get compression gear and just get all of this, you know, um, equipment that may be a little bit more expensive, Theraguns and stuff, that's great. But I always come back to the basics. Like number one, are you getting a decent night's sleep? So, hey, a college athlete. I don't expect any college athlete to go to bed at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. If you can get to bed realistically by 11 o'clock at night, and maybe you're sleeping until seven o'clock in the morning, that, that's a win. Um, I think another huge part of uh, recovery is your nutrition. But again, college athletes is, hey, how much can you afford and what are you actually fueling your body with? So if you can maybe get a good post-workout meal, I think that's going to aid with your recovery. One of the biggest aspects of recovery that I think never gets discussed is actually hanging out with your friends who you like. And it's one of these things you guys are on all the time. It's, it's classwork, it's video, it's practice, it's do this, it's do that. Then it's like, man, it's 11 o'clock at night and I haven't even seen anybody outside of like my teammates. Well, hey, maybe you can step aside you know, the next day and spend 15, 20 minutes with some friends. So I think having a social group, you can talk soccer, but I also think being able to hang out with people and laugh and have a good time and be a college athlete, I think is a great way to recover. Of course, hydration and nutrition and breathing and all of these things are important, but I, I put a huge emphasis on the social aspect of it and say, hey, you know what, let's all go hang out, get some pizza, hang out, you know, whatever, get something to eat and just kind of, you know, enjoy each other. And I think that's really one of the best ways to recover, to be honest with you. Mm. Super interesting. And I, I definitely learned something today. I can already say, um, if I, if, it's, if that's the only thing, hang out with my friends and recover faster. That's funny. No, yeah, um, you, something you don't think about. Definitely. You don't think about it. Um, <clears throat> but one thing we did want to, I, I was actually curious as you were talking, because obviously you're talking about this, I guess, more expensive, high tech, um, m- modes of recovery, um, that are offered. And I'm that, 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 forced me to think about how it might differ like when you're dealing with a Philadelphia union player versus a Villanova, like athlete, um, how, you know, they're, they're able to access more things, have higher levels of recovery maybe, um, and quicker recovery potentially. But I was wondering like in your experience, how do you see the differences or similarities between how you would advise maybe a college athlete to recover versus a, a professional soccer player to recover? You know, I, I think what would make some of the things tough with a, a professional athlete is the, the red eyes coming home. That's really, really tough. I remember, you know, I've, take, I've taken several red eyes home from L.A. and Seattle and Portland. That, that is really challenging. So if you're a pro athlete and you're the Philadelphia Union and you're playing the Sounders in Seattle and then you're catching an 11 o'clock flight and landing at 6 in the morning and then you have to go, you know, take your little girl to school, which, hey, guess what? That's going to happen. Mm-hmm. That, on, that, on that flight home, I would make it a, a, a priority, nutrition, hydration, put the Normatec boots on, do whatever you can to do that. I, if, if, you know, for the, for the build of a men's soccer team, hey, if we, we have a game and we're traveling and it's an eight-hour, just just say it's an eight-hour bus ride or mm-hmm. we go to Providence and all of a sudden, you know, we get jammed up in traffic and it's a six-hour, seven-hour ride home, hey, do the same thing, you know, try to get those Normatec on. But really drags. It's one of those things. I wouldn't change too much uh, as far as the recovery standpoint. Of course, the professional athletes, it's their livelihood and they, they got to really make sure that they are ready for that next training session. So I would say if they're able to um, use some of the higher technology is great, but nothing beats quality sleep, quality nutrition, focused breathing. And, and, and I can visualize if, 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 I'm a, if I'm a Philadelphia Union player and I'm flying home with a 
you know, we just played Chicago and we have a two hour flight and let's say it's Sunday night at six o'clock, I'm flying back. Hey, what's wrong with like playing some cards with your buddy on, on the flight? Like that to me is having that conversation and laughing is going to help promote recovery. So I think sometimes you can go too far down the weeds and think of all this high technology when it's as simple as get a good meal, surround yourself with good people, get some sleep and make sure you're hydrated. Those things work pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's good to hear because, you know, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Uh, playing sports, being with your buddies. Um, and it's, it's awesome to hear that, Hey, you know, it's actually good for you too. Um, and it's going to help yeah. you recover. Uh, but Kev, one thing that, that you've mentioned, uh, you know, a number of times uh, throughout this conversation is nutrition. And that's one thing that we both want to talk with you uh, a little bit more in depth about, because that's something that, um, you really focus on uh, as, as a strength coach and you're also um, in the, in the practice of making a lot of uh, really great nutritious uh, foods and, and other things for yourself. Um, so uh, talk to us about um, nutrition uh, more in depth and how that contributes to an athlete's performance. And then also um, go into some of the uh, you know, the probiotics, the less popular foods, if you will, um, that you emphasize, um, and also make and post, uh, check out Kevin Miller training on Instagram. Uh, Kev walks us through it. Um, but yeah, Kev, talk to us about that because I think it's uh, super fascinating. Uh, we still have so much to learn and I sure, I'm sure the listeners really uh, would love to hear it as well. Yeah. I think, I think from a, from a nutrition standpoint, again, I, I want to say like, I, I'm not a nutritionist. I'm somebody who is very passionate about nutrition and have, have read books over the years and and I, and I put a lot of pride into, into what I eat and what I try to promote for my athletes. But I want to state that I don't believe there is one way to eat. You know, so many people have asked me, hey, Kev, should I become a vegan, vegetarian? Should I eat paleo? Should I eat carnivore? What should I do? And my first response is always, what do you like? Like, what makes you feel like great? Because, hey, there's some athletes that can get away with eating Skittles and play at a high level. And then there's other athletes that, that really need to fine tune their nutrition. But I look at it, my first answer to that is eat the best food that you can afford. Like I can't afford, I can't afford organic everything, but mm-hmm. eat the best food that you can afford. I would say learn to cook. If you can learn to cook breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you are head and shoulders above so many athletes. Mm-hmm. And then we look at it and we say, okay, from a nutrition standpoint, at the end of the day, it's, it's what you're putting in your body is what you're going to give out. So you, know, hey, you might be able to get away with one workout or two workouts with maybe not eating so good, but that third workout, a fourth workout, it's going to catch up with you. But you look at the basics and you say, are you eating quality protein? Are you eating good eggs, uh, fish, chicken, steak? You know, those foods mm-hmm. I think are really good. From a carbohydrate standpoint, you know, carbohydrates are getting a bad rap from people. And should I go keto? Should I not eat carbohydrates? And my recommendation to that for an athlete would be do not do that. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, you need that fuel in your body to to help you, you know, with demands on the body and then fat, obviously your avocados and olive oil and these things are fantastic. So nutrition plays a big role. But again, if, if we come back to say the college athlete, okay, the college athlete has a meal plan, you know, uh, Tom Carlin and Mark, they do the best they can with providing you with the best foods they can. But let's be realistic. It's Friday night or it's Saturday night and we just played a game. You want to go out and have a cheesesteak? Go out and have a cheesesteak. Like, I don't think, I don't think you should try to eat perfect all the time because I don't think perfect exists. But I would say, look at your week and say, okay, we have a hard practice Tuesday, Wednesday, we're playing game, you know, or Wednesday, we're playing game Saturday. I better make sure that I'm fueling my body with that nutrition. It's really, really important because again, it's going to be maybe 
give you that advantage that other people are going to have because it, in Division One soccer in the Big East, all the teams are good. All the players are good. Everybody is really good. So what could you do different? Can you maybe eat some better food, which I think is going to help you? And then we look at it and say, I could give you, Dylan, a nutrition plan. That is great. But if you're not digesting it, it doesn't matter. And we talk about probiotics. I firstly, and this is something I've learned a lot over the last three or four years, is I start with your digestion. I start with first, what kind of foods do you like? But then it's like your digestion. Because you can eat the best food, Dylan, but if it doesn't agree with you, it doesn't matter. So right. it's like, what is your digestion doing? And 80% of your immune system lives in your gut. So you think about that. People get colds, people get mono, people get this, people get that. You know, If your immune system isn't strong, you're going to get sick. So that starts with your digestion. So probiotic foods, think of it this way. You have trillions of, of bugs in your, in your stomach, probiotics that, that, that are super important. They keep you healthy. They digest food. If you can give your body what it needs, your chances of absorbing those nutrients is, is really high. And that's what we need you to do. So simple examples of probiotics could be fermented foods. And when I say fermented foods, people are like, oh man, that's disgusting. What is that? Well, you know, your kimchi, your cabbage, um, kombucha, these things are all probiotic foods. Now, do I realistically think a college kid is going to eat those foods? Probably not. Some people may, some people won't, but I'll come back and say, okay, can you eat an apple a day? So mm -hmm. one apple a day, the skin of an apple helps feed a very specific bacteria in your stomach. So, hey, in a perfect world, you would eat kefir and you would eat kombucha or drink kombucha. But hey, guess what, Dylan? Start with an apple. Can you eat one apple a day? Because guess what? That's going to improve your digestion, which is a probiotic that's going to help fuel your body. You know, it's, it's all of these things. I could, I could say what I would love for people to do, but you got to mm -hmm. take a step back and say, what's realistic for a college kid? Yogurt, a banana, a banana, an apple with the skin on it, those things are prebiotics and they help your body. So it's funny. People, when they talk about nutrition, can get very defensive and they can say, it has to be this. You have to do that. And my response is, it doesn't have to be anything. It has to be what works for you. You know, whatever works for you, but your digestion is extremely, extremely important in, in your performance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome because <clears throat> I love that you touched on, you know, plant-based animal-based differences. And, you know, I, I think your, your position is great because, you know, there's a lot of buzz going around. I mean, I don't know if either of you have heard of the um, documentary on Netflix called Game Changers. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But it's essentially all these high-level athletes are coming forward and stating that, you know, a plant-based diet worked for them. And, you know, there's a lot of science that goes into it and yada, yada, yada. But, you know, I, I think it's really important to, to to remember what Kev just said about just it's what works for you. And if that's what works for you, then, then that's great. Um, and necessarily for an athlete, I don't know. Um, I, I'm not going to go on record and say this, but I don't know if there's one right choice. Um, you know, I think there's there's many right choices. And, you know, I think um, if you want to learn more too, as Dylan mentioned, um, Kevin Miller training on Instagram, um, we'll link that in the description uh, of this podcast too. But you know, there's, there's a lot, Kev gives a lot of great recommendations and a lot of great feedback. And, you know, I think, um, it'd be beneficial if you want to learn more. So, um, thanks Kev on, on the nutrition piece. That's awesome. And I learned a lot again, so I appreciate it. My pleasure. No, thank you. Yeah. Um, and then kind of just like one other, one other point we wanted to, to hit on too was, you know, being around you again for three years now, something that you prioritize a lot, um, is the mental side of the game. And, and we talked about it a little bit with the stress induced on college athletes and, and all these different things. And something that I noticed that you prioritize a lot 
the mental side of the game. And, you know, for us, we've done things like meditation um, and things of that nature to, to kind of um, kind of hone in and um, focus on that. So I was wondering if you could kind of speak on um, your your opinion on um, the mental side of, of, of sports. Yeah, I think it's I think it's critical. And, and, and I've learned a lot over the last couple of years from a coach by the name of Brian Kane. And it's a uh, it's interesting, you know, when, when, when we come together for our practices, I think Coach Tom Carlin. I think he does a really good job and Mark where they, they try to, you know, visualize the practice and then and they'll give some, they'll give some tips on mental health and mental performance and all these things. So I think, I think our staff is really in tune, but I look at it and say, I mean, first off, I was never good enough to be a division one athlete. So I, 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 I can't even imagine what it's like, you know, playing in an NCAA game, the mental stress. That's a big one. I've done races in this and that, but it doesn't compare to, I believe the, the mental stress of, of playing an NCAA uh, tournament game. Um, but for me, it's, it's, it's being present. I think that's something that's really important is it, people, people respond different ways. And when we talk about the mental side of it, some people will say from a meditation standpoint, drags, if you might hear some people say, okay, drags, you need to go in a quiet room and you have to clear your head and you can't have any thoughts. Well, I don't know about you. I can't do that. There's no shot of me doing that because you know, my head is like, I'm thinking of 10 different things. Now for you, you might be able to do that. But I look at it and say for the mental side, hey, Drags, if we're playing a big game, we're playing Georgetown tomorrow, hey, that, that week leading up to it or tomorrow, can you visualize your role in the game? Can you visualize waking up in the morning, what you're going to eat when you walk out on the field, your warm-up, that first kick? Okay, we go down a goal. How are you going to respond? We go up a goal. How are you going to respond? I think that's really important. And, and to be honest with yourself, to put all of those different scenarios, you just can't think of all the good scenarios. You got to think sometimes about the negative things and how you're going to respond to that. And I think it's really the ability to, to be present. I think that is super, super important. And a quote that you know, I didn't come up with, I wish I did, but it's be where your feet are. You know, be where your feet are. Like right now we're talking, we're, we're communicating, like we're, we're present right here. And so many times, myself included, trust me, it happens to me all the time, is where I might be thinking of five different things when I should really just be focusing on what we're having a conversation right now. So I think the mental side of, of looking at the pros, the cons, the good things, the bad things, and it really comes back to being present. And then really the first step, in my opinion, from a, from a mental meditation state is your breathing. Because if you can learn how to control your breathing in any kind of scenario, you're probably going to be okay. Hey, it might not turn out all right, but I think you're going to be able to, to calm things down, be composed because, hey, we all lose our composure in a game. That happens. Mm -hmm. But can you take a step back and say, okay, this is, where, this is what I really need to do. But I think it's visualization. It's mantras. If you have a mantra, if you have to say something in your head drags, whatever that is that triggers you to, hey, it's game time. Let's go. Or, hey, we just went down a goal. Okay, boom. It's gone. Forget it. I just, I just, I just took out the trash. It's gone. Let's get that goal back. So mm -hmm. it's, it's very important. But I think a lot of people struggle because they have a tough time being present. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely, Kev. I mean, that's great insight. Um, the mental side of sports, uh, it, you know, it's, it's great that it's finally getting a little bit more uh, coverage and attention, uh, but it's so important. Um, I know I can say uh, we're very fortunate to be part of Villanova Soccer where the coaching staff and you, uh, they treat us as people and more, more than just athletes. Um, and that that's one way that you know we can stay centered um and just look big picture and we're really we're really fortunate to to have that so um 
so thanks for that thanks for treating us you know with respect and us people uh, i appreciate it and the last thing i'll touch on that because i know we have to go to the next point is hey mental health like everyone's talking about it for a good reason right. and again hey let's let's all try to figure out one thing that works for you again it doesn't matter whatever kind of meditation you like to do whatever kind of visualization visualization you like to do hey go with it run with it and make it your own and that's that's how i think you know because trust me i get anxiety but the last right. thing i'll say hey anxiety is not all that bad anxiety can be really good if you use it as a motivator anxiety gets bad when all of a sudden it starts to overflow so right. um you know but everybody trust me everybody needs to work on it and nobody's perfect at it yeah definitely definitely it's it's one big learning process and yeah like you said anxiety before a game it can be it can be fantastic you know it can push you to yeah. to get the most out of yourself but it's also nice that um you know if you're anxious in your room before you go to sleep we have methods yeah. taught to you such as box breathing meditation like you said uh being being where your feet are um so you know there's there's a there's a whole lot of ways to to tackle um you know just the mental side of, of being an athlete and uh thankfully we're given um the resources at school but it's good for hopefully our listeners anyone interested there there's definitely ways um you know, to maximize the, what you can get out of the mental side of, of sports. Um, Kev, that, that's everything from us as far as questions. Uh, just want to say again, thanks so much for hopping on. I mean, we work with you. I've been working with you every day for four years, and I still learned something new today. Um, you're the man. Um, thanks so much. Um, and uh, really looking forward to seeing you soon. Yeah, no, thank you guys, Dylan and Drags. I greatly appreciate it. It's a it's an honor. I wish you guys the best. You're doing a great job with this podcast. And um, anything you guys ever need, you guys uh, let me know. You guys know where to reach me. And, and thank you guys for everything. Awesome. Thanks, Kev. Awesome. All right, Thanks, guys. Kev. Have a good one, guys. Thanks, Kev. Hey, we'll Kev. see you soon, man. <clears throat> see you guys. Take care. Awesome. Um, I Like I said, uh, it's like, like Dill said, too, I think there's a lot to learn there. And there was a lot, obviously, to take in. But... I think Kev does a great job of putting it in in terms of you know simplicity and getting back to the basics, and I think that's that's super important and what he does. And you know, it was an honor to have him on today. So I hope you all enjoyed that as well. But as you know, uh, by this point now, we're going to move into our next segment. It's just me and Dill today, so a lot of uh, a lot of uh, brain picking going on. But um, we're going to move into our next segment of uh, winners and losers. So. Um, we, as you guys know, for those who don't, um, basically, we're just going to go over um, our biggest winner and loser of the week that is going on in the soccer world, any country, any league, um, anything that is going on um, is fair game. So, Dill, if you want to kick us off with your winner of the week. Yes. Yes, I would be happy to, Drags. <laughs> Um, so for me, my winner of the week, uh, it's a little broader, but, uh, I'll focus on two players specifically. Um, it's players getting their chances. Uh, so my big winner is just guys that have had success at their clubs or maybe not success. Maybe success is too broad of a term. Maybe it's success in limited appearances. So guys that have done well, uh, with limited chances, um, but never really broken into the first team, never really gotten that chance to, uh, get the the minutes that they might want. Um, maybe they're just in such a strong team, or maybe they just didn't fit into that into that uh, tactical setup. Uh, so, without blabbering on too much, my two guys that I'm going to focus on um, are Steven Bergwijn and Divock Origi. 
Um, so first, Origi, uh, it's a pretty simple one. The guy's leaving Liverpool a legend despite, you know, starting a handful of games. Um, and I say that with pain as a United fan, but you gotta, you got to be neutral here. Um, listen, uh, he scored one of their most iconic Champions League goals. Um, he scored cup final goals. Uh, he's just the, the epitome of the super sub. Um, and I'm sure I'm sure Liverpool fans are, are probably pretty upset that he's leaving, even though, you know, he did he didn't play too much. Um, but he's going to AC Milan um, with Zlatan, by the way, a little Zlatan resigned. So that's that's something to talk about. But uh, Origi's going back to AC Milan. Um, or not going back. He's going to AC Milan, and uh, I hope that he gets a chance to play regular minutes because I can't even promise that he's going to succeed. But he's just a guy. Um, that that has earned that that has earned that right just to just to get a chance. So I'm really excited to see what you know a Divac Origi who plays 90 minutes uh, looks like. And then the other guy just really quickly is Steven Bergwijn. Um, he's leaving Tottenham. He's going to Ajax. And uh, I just think that it's a it's a big deal for him. Um, he's another guy. I think every time I've I've watched Spurs and he's been subbed on, he's had an impact usually within you know a little a little. Uh, allocation of minutes if you will you know he's come on for five minutes made an impact he's come on for 10 minutes 15 minutes scored a goal so uh just two guys i'm really excited to see you get a chance to play full minutes and uh those are my big winners awesome man you know you know that hits home for me as a player's getting chances you know my winner last week was tammy abraham guy that i would love to see get get that that did get his chance at roma and, and capitalized right. and you know right now getting rumored back to, to the Premier League. So just proves that, you know, this is a thing. And, you know, it's 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 good for the sport to see um, these guys that are, that have, I guess, have been on the fringe at their clubs that, that could become big-time players um, elsewhere. So that's awesome. And then, you know, just to, as you mentioned, the Zlatan thing, this goes back all the way to episode one when uh, we were talking to Victor about Zlatan, uh, potentially, you know, as, as Victor put it, probably going to, call it quits after this year, but you know, the man is, is always back. It seems. And, um, a little, a little, uh, you know, Zlatan or Iggy combo or, you know, yeah. one for one sub one for one sub who knows it's, that's pretty exciting. So yeah, I hope, stuff. I hope Origi doesn't go to AC Milan and just be a super sub again. I know. Cause they have Drew as well. So yeah, you know, and he's almost too good at it. Yeah, he's, he like, <laughs> he's too good. No, at he it. is. He's like ridiculously good at it. So, as you mentioned, big time goals, big time goals off the bench. No, that's awesome. Yeah. So, um, you know, for my winner, um, you know, obviously the brand of our podcast is you know around the world. So, so we we try to keep it you know very inclusive of the soccer world. But there's there's no it's no secret that uh, me and Dylan are Americans and Americans at heart. So um, I'm keeping it local for for my winner and it's the U.S. youth national team uh, this week. And for those who don't know, our U-20s went through their qualification cycle um, over the past, I don't know, three weeks or so. Um, and all they did was, you know, smash teams and, and, you know, one qualifying for the U-20 World Cup, two qualifying for the Olympics, I think since the first time, or it's the first time since about, I think like 2008 yeah. that we it's qualified like for the Olympics, Olympics, which is big time. Yeah. Yeah. Two summer Olympics we missed, um, which is, you know, a, yeah, a big thing for, uh, for yeah. our country. Yeah. Like a massive thing to be back there. Um, and a lot of standout performers and, you know, there's a lot of guys you can highlight, but where I want to keep it, you know, we've had 
two ex or current Philly Union guys on the team. So, um, or sorry, on uh, on the podcast. So, you know, it would be it would be only right, and I think they're very deserving of some recognition here. First guy is Paxson Aronson. Paxson Aronson, Golden Boot winner, MVP um, of the Concacaf tournament. You know, uh, just absolutely balling seven goals. You know, the kids just got so much potential and you know the, the craziest thing when i mention these names is we're talking about kids yep. talk about <laughs> we're talking about 19 18 year olds playing you know like reaching like hot like heights of their career very early like yep. not, not heights but like obviously they still have a lot of room to grow um but you know like i i really hope this this gets him and the others some 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 uh recognition in europe and and things of like like that nature you know also another guy quinn sullivan from philly union six goals in the tournament, yeah. like big time. Yeah. Um, we're talking about um, Brandon Craig starting every game at center back, pretty much, pretty much every game. And we're talking about um, Jack McGlynn too. Guy just scores rockets of goals. Like yeah. I've never seen. And, you know, those are four guys that I highlighted. You could really highlight a lot of guys in the team, mm -hmm. but you know, awesome run and big for our country and for soccer landscape in America. So, yeah, man, it's huge. It's huge because uh, you look at the senior national team, um, you know, we're obviously probably in the best place we've been in a while. Um, but but you need the youth teams to to be competing at a high level because one day those are going to be the guys. Um, and then, it's, you know, you look at CONCACAF and uh, you, you feel that the U-20 squad should be able to uh, compete at a high level. Um, the only game we drew uh was was against canada uh that was 2-2 and you know listen canada's canada's coming on they're, they're obviously doing really well with that program um just a few other guys to shout out um on that team there's caden clark uh who's, who's i think he's going to be a big name in the soccer world pretty soon uh he's just got loads of talent super young i think is he going to leipzig i think he's going to leipzig. i think it was or salzburg i think it's leipzig though yeah. i think it's leipzig leipzig but, yeah so he'll be playing in europe soon enough and just another guy that I have to highlight after seeing clips is Diego Luna. That guy is filthy. Uh, I didn't know much about him before, uh, to be completely honest, but keep an eye out for that guy because, wow, he's got talent oozing, oozing out of the boots. And actually, uh, I'm going to give two other shout-outs to guys that weren't even on the team and were eligible, Yunus Musa and Gio Reyna, because <laughs> the U.S. is stacked now. Uh, it's pretty cool. They're on the golden boy list, and uh, which is which is for those that don't know, the top players under twenty in the entire world. Um, and uh, you know they weren't even included in the squad because they've already graduated to the senior team. So, like drags, it's a great winner. Um, future's bright for U.S. soccer. Yeah, it's exciting. It's it's real exciting, and you know it's it's one of those things like it's a long time coming. I feel like, and yeah. it's it's finally coming along. I feel like, and you know I'm excited to to be a part of it and to be a fan and mm -hmm. you know um also another guy i want to highlight real quick just real quick um was uh is tyler adams making his move to leeds um oh. you know <clears throat> as we're on that american train right now mm -hmm. you know kind of a little american ar army being formed yeah. over there with, with jesse marsh and aronson and now adams so that's pretty cool but um so we'll see him in the prem next year which is awesome I know, I know. We're gonna have to buy Leeds jerseys. They have, yeah, uh, I guess they're forming a little American Trinity over there. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Fast times. I mean, it's coming. It's coming. Soccer's coming. Like you said, Drags. It, it feels like it's been a long time coming, and it's really nice to see that it's actually happening now because yeah. it's been talked about. Oh, the U.S. is coming. Oh, the youth teams are doing this and and this and that. 
but it's happening. You know, the the men, the senior team just just qualified for the World Cup, and they, and they looked pretty good doing it. They also looked bad some games, but but they got it done. And now we got the U20s running through Concacaf. Um, I mean, the competition is going to be pretty crazy. I mean, think about it. Guys yeah. like Caden Clark, uh, Diego Luna, and and some the Philly Union kids, like they're going to be competing for spots too. So mm-hmm. it's it's a good problem to have. Um, yeah, for sure. But no, that's a great winner. Um, moving on to losers. Uh, for me, it's going to be Poch. It's going to be Pochettino. Uh, released from PSG. And I'm not really saying this is a loser so much uh, as a surprise. I think most people saw it coming. The club's kind of going through a little bit of a transition. Uh, but I just I just have to look at Poch, and I have to say, it feels like he has just come up short at, at uh, you know his previous appointments. And uh, it's just like, what's what's coming next for him? Um, you know, he was he was at Spurs, uh, took him to the Champions League final, which is a huge, huge feat. Um, but but after that, it was a lot of disappointment. Then he came to PSG where, you know, you're basically given uh, a gold mine of players, of resources. And it's like, OK, here you go. Um, you got everything you could ever want. What are you going to do with it? They, they blew it against uh, Real Madrid this year in the Champions League. They totally had it in the bag. Um, definitely questionable tactics from him. And, and so now he's gone. And so what's the next move going to be for him? Um, and, and how is he looking at his career uh, at this point in time? And I just have to say, it's just been a disappointing past few years for Pochettino, a guy that uh, everyone was so high on like just a few years ago. Um, and just to see his fall from fall from grace a little bit, uh, he's my loser of the week. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, I mean, like I had high regards for him at Tottenham, like very high regards. I think he did very well with what he had. Obviously you mentioned taking him to the champions league final. That's, that's like an amazing feat, as you said, but like I had very high regards for him and I, you know, I, the PSG move was, you know, I, I, there, he was rumored to, to leave and take a bigger opportunity and you know he got it and as you mentioned he didn't take it and it's just one of those things that you don't take your opportunity as you do as you like a life lesson you don't take your opportunity and you know he's not very coveted anymore i would say um no so it's a good one though um yeah so moving into my loser so um this is gonna this is a little bit of a hunch i've had a little bit of an opinion i've had over the, the 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 last few weeks of transfer news and um, you know, I might get some heat for it from, from what some specific types of fans. And, you know, I, again, I encourage our listeners to engage with us on social media and in the comments of this podcast too, and they respond to me, but you know, my, my loser of the week is going to be Chelsea. And, you know, obviously there's not much going on transfer wise with Chelsea. I mean, sp- like in the terms of like specific signings, but that is actually why they're my loser because there's a. I mean, I've I can't remember a, a transfer period in a while where a team's been linked with so many players and hasn't landed one yet. Right. So you talk about the center back need. You talk about Kunde, Kulabali, Delik, yeah. all these guys, and you know, big names, big names in the game hasn't landed. I haven't landed anyone yet. And then you talk about wingers. You know, you talk about Dembele being like Sterling, Rafinha, mm-hmm. three big names right there no landings. So I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, you know, what, when, when is the point of worry for, for Chelsea? They have 
an immense amount of money with new owners coming in. And that's, I think, why they're linked with all these players. And, you know, that's a good problem to have, I guess, all this money. But, you know, they got to start jumping the gun, in my opinion, and start making some signings. And, you know, they haven't. So Mm -hmm. that's why they're my loser, because I feel like they're just kind of lingering there. And, you know, they need they need reinforcements. They have positional needs and stuff. And, you know, it hasn't come yet. So, yeah, they're my loser. Yeah. No, Jarvis. Listen, that that's that's a great one. Yeah, like like you said, when you look up Chelsea transfer rumors, you see a bunch of huge names, uh, but no business has been done yet. I'll just add, uh, like even even with the Rafinha transfer saga going on right now, uh, where Chelsea supposedly agreed to to personal terms or, or agreed with Leeds on a transfer sum, and then mm-hmm. Barcelona swooping in. Uh, and so now that deal is even up in the air, and that was like supposed to be their one guy that they got in. Um, and he would be a good sign. He's obviously a really good player. Um, yeah, sure. But I'm, I'm with you, Drags. Um, they need reinforcements. You can also say the striker spot uh, is, is lacking with Lukaku leaving. Um, so the question is, are they going to get it done? And the clock's ticking. So we'll see in the coming weeks um, if they really follow through on any of these rumors. But for the time being, no business has been done. And so, so that's a great loser. I'll take a quote from uh, Chris Donovan on the last episode. Last episode, sorry. Um, no transfer news is or no transfer rumor is complete until pen is to paper. Yes. Yeah. There is no pen to paper in turn uh, for Chelsea and yeah. they're my biggest loser because of it. Yeah. You know, the Rafinha, the Rafinha saga is interesting that you mentioned just because, you know, I, I rate him very highly and, you know, I thought Chelsea had him, but they don't yet. And, yet. you know, and the lingeringness of this, like how it's, how it hasn't gotten done. Um, how Leeds and Chelsea have come to an agreement. But yeah. when it comes to Rafinha, I don't know if he's set on going there. Right. So he's kind of keeping the door open. So who knows what happens? It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Listen, as, as a United fan, it all reminds me a bit of how United are handling business right now. <laughs> I, that's It's not the right way. I, I can hey, Erickson, man. Erickson, I love that for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. No, Erickson's a great signing, but Ronaldo's on his way out. Yep. De Jong doesn't even want to come play for us. So, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> We'll see. We'll see. But listen, yeah, you, you look at clubs like City, City, they got them in. They got their, they got pen to paper. Mm-hmm. They got their signings. There's no if and or buts. Uh, so, so Chelsea, United, all the big clubs will be looking to do that. And yeah, I mean, Chelsea just haven't gotten it done. So, right. Um, yeah, I, I, I think um, they got to figure it out soon because if, you know, they could they could be in a little bit of trouble. Uh, I know, I know. That's what I'm worried about for them. I mean, you know, as a as a rival, I'm not really worried, but you know, I'm worried about for them what's yeah. going to happen. But yeah, it's yeah. interesting. It's interesting to follow. So it is. It is. Keep an eye on it. Um, yeah, moving sure. on to our last segment, it's spin the wheel. Uh, we have the five major European leagues up here on the wheel. We're going to spin it uh, randomly, and whatever it lands on, we're just going to talk about something interesting going on in that league. Uh, for a few minutes, and um, <clears throat> let's see what we get. <sighs> Damn. Just slid over from Prem to League uh. Ooh, geez, <laughs> it's tough. You know, we could go back to Potch, but, like, again, like, I don't, I don't know because I don't really know much about the manager coming in. That's the, that's the thing. I mean, we could talk about it generally, but, I mean – yeah, there's really not much going on. So. I think I think I think one thing that that we could touch on really quick um, 
it, it goes in hand in hand with the Poch news, but it's what direction are PSG going in? Mm-hmm. Um, because the president just came out and said, yeah, he wants Neymar. Um, he doesn't want Neymar to leave. Uh, he's made his intentions clear. But it's no, it's no uh, secret that Neymar has been linked with a ton of clubs. I mean, ranging from like the Newcastles of the world all the way up to, to Chelsea's. Even MLS. Even MLS, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we have uh, Christophe Galtier coming in from Nice as the new head coach replacing Poch. Uh, we have Mbappe in this quasi-general man- manager uh, player role. And we have, uh, you know, stars on this team that aren't too happy. Um, all, all, And I think PSG is in a unique setting because – really all that matters to them is like the Champions League right now. It's a weird place to be in. Like the domestic title, I don't, I, don't, I don't have the feeling that they're too overwhelmingly happy every time they win Liga. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they're in a kind of a weird spot. So, that, you know, that's something. Yeah. No, Dill, I think that's what, you know, when they announced their new manager from Nice, um, I was like what immediately, what immediately came to my head was, I mean, are they like – like, you know, I would expect, like, traditionally, a Zidane coming in. You know, he was rumored. A Zidane, a big name coming to right. PSG. Right. Right? Like, and now, so it looks like they're going another route with it mm-hmm. than maybe they've traditionally done in the past few years. So mm-hmm. maybe they're trying something new. And, you know, something I will mention is, I don't know if it's because I have a soft place in my heart for this man, but Lionel Messi, I, I do have a soft place. And, you know, he's there. Yep. And I'm not going to say he's the great equalizer in all of this, but, you know, he has a year under his belt with the club. Right. And he's coming in and for his second season, he's, you know, I think he's a winner. You know, there's a lot of debate about, you know, Ronaldo's a better winner, Messi's a better player, yada, yada, yada. But I think he, if he, you know, Mbappe is obviously the big name at that club. Like mm-hmm. they've made that pretty clear and yep. that's their future. But, you know, you still have an aging Messi there and a still still at insane quality com- like comparatively. And I think I'm going to go on record and say he will be an equalizer this season. And I'm not going to lock in a Champions League win, but I'm going to say I'm going to say a better season for PSG. You know, that's all I'm going to live with for now. That's all I'm going to live with. Yeah. But. I like I it. We'll at least a better happens. season for Messi. At least yeah. a better season yeah. for Messi. I'll say that. <laughs> double, double, double. Yeah. So we'll see. It's interesting to keep an eye on. Again, we got a lot. We're excited. Got a lot of soccer coming back. I think we're oh, yeah. at under 40 days for yep. maybe yep. under 40 yep. days for prem. Yeah, it's so coming. it's coming back. Um, I feel like we'll have a lot to talk about on this segment when uh and these couple segments when um that's when when leagues start kicking back up again mm-hmm. um but for now um that will be all for this episode so again we want to thank kevin miller for coming on we really hope that you all took um some of his advice and learned something from um his spiel and you know we're really excited to um continue bringing you guys content and we just want to hear from you guys so um any feedback anything any comments to our biggest winners losers anything you got find us on social media at around the world pod on instagram and 
um, on Twitter as well. That'll be kickstarting pretty soon. And so, you know, we're just excited to keep bringing you guys some content. And, you know, that's all for today. So I appreciate you all for listening today. And we're going to sign off now. So we'll catch you next week on Around the World. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube